0: Supply chain. Consulting. Warehouse operation. Market share.
1: Revenue. Material handling. Transportation.
0: The end of the week. It's the end of the week. And someone has stolen my chair. Yeah, that's all right.
2: First time that ever happened.
0: It's actually, you know, we have <laughs> we have a um, uh, a media advisor uh, because one of the parents in our network actually was mm. a major TV <laughs> producer for, and he has told us get rid of the swivel chair. The swivel chair's death. And this one. He's right. Not. Yeah. yeah exactly. See, it's, it doesn't make for good for good of Yeah. Distracting. You and, um, but, uh, Sabina, welcome to Thank the you. show. Uh, hi, David. <laughs> hey, Charles. <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> you know, people may wonder, who is Sabina? So why don't we start there? Who are you?
1: Who am I? Tell us something about yourself. Something? Something fun? Like my favorite no, color? No, it doesn't have
0: to be fun. <laughs> I don't think you... I, I, when people ask, I never try for fun, because it's... It, it's too intimidating.
1: Let's see. Um, I guess from a professional side, I graduated from McGill with a degree, uh, a bachelor in software engineering. Um, and since then, I went back to McGill, but I'm doing a certificate in data science and machine learning. Oh, that's... And I've been at LID since I graduated. So for the past few years, I've been a software developer for the dynamics team. So I'm working on the Matthews team with Hendrik. Yep. And you love it? Of course, yes. Great. It's very fun. I love the challenges.
0: Great. Yes. Uh a Montrealer?
1: Uh Yes. Born in Romania, but in I've Romania. been here since I was Ooh. very little, so I'm pretty much a Quebecer slash Montrealer.
0: Yeah. What part of town?
1: Um, I should Maisonneuve, but now I live in the Southwest, oh, wow. more Verdun Why so did I you move?
0: I thought like Maisonneuve M- has moved. all the great restaurants. Oh, your parents? You live yeah, with your parents?
1: No, my parents moved when I was little. They moved to the suburbs, and I didn't like it, so I came oh, back to I Montreal. Oh, I get it. Okay, okay,
0: okay. So now you live in the Southwest. Yes. Are you liking that?
1: Yes, I love. Southwest.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. All right. Well, enough uh, uh, chit chat. Let's mm-hmm. get to the topic. Yeah. So a few weeks ago. You gave a presentation at one of our all hands meetings. Yep. Personally, and I think everybody uh, uh, was like was gripped with mm-hmm. interest. It was a really great presentation. Thank you. And this is why we've invited you on here because I think if you think about it, you know we have an enormous audience. You know, thousands of people are are, are tuning in uh, weekly to hear what we have to talk about. And um, if you can imagine, let's pretend you're me, right? gray-haired, old, I can't make the printers work, uh, I can't make a coffee mm-hmm. machine work. And when I was a kid do in supply chain consulting and we would get onto these projects uh, and you'd look at the, 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 the IT landscape, the technology landscape was very different. We would have an ERP, it would run on an AS400 system, right? Yep. <laughs> and then we'd wanna put in a WMS. And it's, you know, nowadays, that market has consolidated quite a bit. There used to be literally thousands, and I apologize for using uh, literally, because it's very teenage, but there were thousands of of little systems that eventually got bought up. And the idea of integrating two pieces of business software, two applications, was the scariest thing in the world. Right? All projects failed at integration. Uh, projects were delayed by integration. The question: Could they even integrate? Would be a big question. Yeah, of course. And you gave such a great speech that we are asking you to educate me. David's a little more savvy than I am on these things, but really, like a little. And I can't fake it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and it was. It, I would love for you to give you know the old ladies and the old men in the business a quick, uh, uh, you know lesson on integration, and what, what does it mean today, and, and where does it come from?
1: Yeah, of course. I think uh, today that's what we're going to talk about. We're really, the goal would be to really dig in on what is an API, what does it look like, because a lot of people hear this, and it's like API, cloud, and you don't really know what that exactly. means, what that looks like. Exactly. And, so, and it's very important to understand, since honestly everything depends on web APIs nowadays. A hundred
0: percent. So what happened first? Before the world of APIs, what, what yes. were we doing to integrate... Two systems.
1: So I guess um, what I said during the all-hands was a good example of kind of like an old, you know, I wouldn't say legacy because it's still used today, but an old protocol called FTP.
0: File Transfer Protocol.
1: Yeah, that stands for File Transfer Protocol. So this was invented and started to be used in the 70s. And just, you know, on a side note, APIs are also a very old concept, but what we know as modern APIs, which are the web ones, have only really started to be used widely in the 2000s. Okay. So a big difference, right? Going from FTPs that existed before the modern internet to now web APIs, which the whole web depends on, right?
0: So let's touch on what was the FTP?
1: Yeah, so the FTP, um, what it is, is you have a system, right? We talked about the Mancaster specifically, but it could be anything. And these systems rely on file transfers to exchange data with other systems.
0: And if I can stop you, because, so you put an image in someone's head, which is, let's take a very classic example of a purchase order. Yep. So I have a buying department. The buying department creates a purchase order to purchase a pallet of bottled water, doesn't matter, mm-hmm. uh, from a vendor. And that purchase order was created, is created in the ERP. Yep. Now down at the warehouse, which could be hundreds of miles away from where that person created it, the warehouse needs that purchase order in order to do a receipt. I have to receive against a purchase order. Yep. So what the file is created in the ERP and has to then be FTP to file, right, Yeah. to the WMS.
1: Yeah, exactly. So if let's say you had two systems, both your ERP and your WMS use FTP, which is great, right? They can communicate with each other. You could have somewhere in between them, this server where the ERP could Create the file and dump it in the server, and then the WMS can then pick it up, read it, and then you know update some data over there, and vice versa.
0: Really, it's actually there's a phys- would be a physical server between them.
1: Yeah, pretty much. So that's mm-hmm. that's I what's important that. with with uh, FTP and in the case of the Mancaster is the same thing. The the Mancaster the software relies on having this this server that exists somewhere. It could be a virtual server. It doesn't matter. It could be just someone's computer but it relies on having a folder somewhere where it points to and having like a text file or a CSV or something of the sort that it can read
0: right thing. A little sideline, and this is why these things go really quickly. Yeah. What do you mean a virtual server?
1: Oh, uh, that can be a whole other topic. Just make it up. Give so, me
0: 30 seconds. Uh,
1: essentially, you can host virtual machines, which are just like temporary machines that exist in the cloud. It's, it's, it's like um, instead of having like your classic physical computer, you could pay, for example, Azure to create this fake machine that they host on their service for you to use. And when you don't need it anymore, or if you stop paying for whatever reason, but they just delete it. The
0: fake machine is it's sitting in a machine.
1: Yeah, exactly. You it's a machine in a, a machine.
0: You get, you get a, a
2: portion of a machine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You get
1: a small portion of a machine that they.
0: All right. This is this okay? <laughs> Let's get back to so.
2: I'm actually no more than you. Not I, just a little bit more, actually. On, on this, explaining <laughs> that yeah. but, but FTP is what we use when when we founded LID. FTP is how of course, I,
0: I, that I know. we would get client data. Yeah. But now, yeah. let's just say, I, I remember we did a project. We were putting in a WMS. Uh, and uh, these guys were brilliant. It was a, a major convenience store chain down in the U.S. And in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, they mm-hmm. built their own ERP. Which they actually called the warehouse system, even though it had no warehouse <laughs> functionality whatsoever. It did all the all the ancillary things like purchasing and some you know invoice reconcili like all sorts of. Uh, it did keep a record of inventory, <laughs> but it was, it was again AS four hundred. It was actually kind of hilarious. The the guys who, who wrote the system when we started this project they were in their late sixties, a uh, uh, Dick and Bob new englanders with that new england accent and and they had both bought condos with their wives down in boca raton like out of seinfeld and the company this this billion dollar company their whole lives depended on replacing this 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 system before dick and bob retired you know well bob didn't look no bob looked great uh i was gonna say you know this but so they were talking about a table sitting between the the two and that I populate the table with data Mm -hmm. and you populate the table with data. What does that mean?
1: So that's a classic example of a good practice, actually, of integration, right? What this means is these tables that sit in between the two systems are what we call staging tables, which are just temporary, right? Because the, the last thing you want, for example, if a system sends data to another system, is for that data to be wrong or if there was a bug in the code, maybe something happened when it was transferring the data and all the fields are wrong, or some of them are wrong, et cetera. You don't want to update your master data instantly with that potentially erroneous data, right? Or potentially slow down the system because you have data coming in all the time is another reason. So what you have is system A will send data to the staging table to system B and system B will then read the staging table whenever it wants to, and whenever these records in the staging table are ready. And this could be done manually by a human to, you know, check them. Right. It could be a uh, automatic automatic process to make sure these are valid, etc.
0: But that okay. So so that staging table, which is like that that, that uh, f- virtual server or a real server. Yeah. Um. That staging table, that sort of independent, like the FTP process, would still be using that staging table logic.
1: Um, specifically for FTP, FTPs, I'm not sure how the tables would play into that. I'm no expert okay, in so FTPs. Okay, so we'll forget but. that.
0: See if <laughs> I already distracted us from... It just uh, dawned on me. Uh, uh, okay, so so back to this. The original, or uh, not necessarily the original, you said APIs have been around a long time too, but the, the ubiquitous original uh, way of integrating was uh, was the FTP, which is literally sending flat files or some yes. formatted files... To some staging ground between the two, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then onwards to the, exactly. and then all of a sudden, as you said in the year, in the two thousands, comes the API, the, yeah. the rise of the API. Mm-hmm. Do you do you know what an API means? Uh,
2: programming interface. Uh, the application a- application, programming
0: application. Programming interface. <laughs> we only I know only because I looked it up right before <laughs> I walked in. Yeah. But for years, we, and I know what APIs are. When you say API, you're talking about integration. Yeah. Okay, so tell us a bit about APIs.
1: Yeah, so APIs, let's see. Um, I guess the history of APIs, we can start with that. Yeah, that would be um, great. They were start to be really popular in the 2000s for a very simple reason, because the web was starting to be popular, as we know, uh, the modern internet. And um, websites needed a way to display lots of data to users and also be able to do fun things like little widgets, right? Like, how are we able now to put pictures on websites? Well, it's because they're hosted somewhere and you essentially call with API like, hey, I want image number 1,100, whatever, to be displayed on my website. So then there's an API that connects little things on websites like images, or you know uh, shopping carts, or just items on a Shopify website, for example. And in the 2000s, we saw a big rise in eBay, Amazon, and all these other you know big tech companies that needed a website to be able to show a lot of things to a lot of people on the multitude platforms. It could be you know web, and then later on became the mobile phone, and maybe you know the tablets, and then Android and iOS. All of these different devices needed a way. To all retrieve the same data, but uh, with different uh, front-facing UIs, right? And so developers were like, "How do we do this?" And then came the APIs, because APIs are a very simple way to connect your database to this front-end slash UI um, of the client. And I mentioned the mobile phone, but I think the you know the the rise. Of uh, modern modern smartphones are probably the biggest reasons that APIs are so popular today, because you know when they came out, mobile phones—I don't know if you remember—they had very, very little sp- space, very little bandwidth. You're
0: asking us yes, if we remember? We <laughs> were there. Where were you? you were, I was there too. <laughs> you, well.
1: <laughs> I'm not four about. years
0: old. Yeah.
1: But it's been a while, right? And you, we forget where where they were at the beginning, and um, they had very little pro- processing power as well. So what we did is. Um, build these APIs, right? There was another server somewhere that was taking care of um, storing all the data, storing all the, you know, processing, maybe it could run some processes, some calculations. And what your phone did was just send an API call to this database and be like, hey, calculate this, or do this, or show me all this data, show me all these pictures that I cannot store on my phone, but I still want to see in my, you know, Google Photos app
0: or whatever. Well, you know, okay, so now I I have an image of what you're trying to describe, or that you're describing beautifully. You're not trying. You're describing it. But here's my image, and you tell me if I've got the right idea. Yeah. If I think of Instagram, okay, uh, let's say David and I are both access Instagram at the same time. David goes to my Instagram page, you know, and looks at a picture, you know, he spends a lot of time looking pictures of me looks at a picture <laughs> uh, but you know i post something here i am hi look at me i'm wherever and, and 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 there's a picture of me i actually don't put pictures of me because not something anyone wants to see but so so you access it from your instagram feed you go to me and you access that picture at the exact same time i might be doing some cleanup of my um my instagram account yeah. So I actually could be looking at a little thumbnail or a smaller version of that same picture at the exact same time. And your point is, it's not like the data for that picture is sitting on my phone and on David's phone at the same time. Exactly. It's that those two views are accessing via API the same single bit of data sitting in a, in a database, of yeah. which is my picture.
1: Exactly. I think that's a great example. I mean, Instagram, when you download the app, it doesn't download all of the entire database of Instagram, right? It's, right. It doesn't download anything, actually. It just downloads right. the actual app with the little buttons and, like, the coding of the buttons, and that's it.
2: I, is, is it the same thing as we even he- use software here where we talk about the client yep. and uh, I don't even know what the other side would be, but what resides on the, on the server? Mm-hmm. So multiple pl- people can use the same software at the same time, but what they have on their computer is referred to the client. Is is that client using API to then be able to
1: yeah, exactly. process? Most likely it is API, I'm guessing, if it is on the browser, it's some form of, of APIs because that's what most browsers use, but yes.
0: Okay, great. I think I've got the image. It's a good image for me. I'm just, for me, simple-minded me, I'm gonna use that picture of, of me David spends a lot of time looking at it. <laughs> I occasionally look at it from different views. It's actually the same data, but yes. the API is what's calling it to present it in different ways because we're looking. So now, exactly. um, you said something a few weeks ago. You were talking about APIs sitting outside of the software. Yes. What does that mean?
1: So, the fun things with a- the fun things with APIs is there's fun is a
0: strong word, but yes.
1: It is fun, though, because the whole point, or I guess not a whole point, but a very big selling point of APIs is that they're very easy to reuse for other developers to create third-party apps, right? So, for example, if we take Instagram, well, Instagram, one of the ways they actually make money is they sell their data via APIs for to developers. Don't I know that. For statistics. So, for example, there's all these softwares you could see on the App Store um, of, like, Oh, it's $3, but I can see all my analytics for Instagram, right? Well, what are those analytics? They're actually APIs that Instagram can sell to developers for them to make apps with. For example, to do things like statistics of your uh, Instagram feed or of all your accounts if you're a business and you own multiple accounts. Um, So those are APIs that are made for the public, but they're not free, of course, but they could also be free. And uh, developers, anyone that has a key, anyone that pays, can then use those APIs, plug them in an app, and just do whatever they want with it very easily in just a matter of minutes, honestly.
0: And this is kind of key because when we start going from the FTP world to the API world in a business application yeah. world, that actually makes a difference. Right? Yeah. So, what, because it, it expl- the concept was the, uh, in the FTP world the integration actually is built into the core of, of the software so the ERP has software embedded in it that yep. is uh, that deals with integration and so does the WMS and now that isn't there's a layer on top of both that's managing it through API's
1: exactly so like I, like you said the FTP yes the the software that usually use FTP it is built into them they rely on having this server or this this thing between them and the other app to be able to read. And whatever is on the FTP server, like was mentioned, I think, by David Grandmaison at the last All Hands, is that these servers, they don't know who put that file there on the FTP server. They cannot respond if there's an error. They can't tell, you know, Business Central, for example, or whatever software put that file there that, hey, there's an error. They're completely dependent on that server existing and having accurate data. Whereas for APIs, the fun thing is, um, not only can anyone use them, but pretty much anyone can build APIs on top of an existing app if it's allowed. For example, Business Central, we could actually build our own API endpoints. That's it. On top of Business Central, that can send specific data. If I want table XYZ with only like uh, with 10 fields, I can do that very easily. I can build that for me, for my clients, for whoever.
0: Right, you don't need a. I don't a Microsoft. Microsoft programmer, yeah. call them up and say, can I have permission, exactly. or could you just do this for me? They give you permission to write that interface yeah. so that the speed of uh, deployment in the, in the world, across everyone who might use Microsoft products, is that much faster, which exactly. makes it that much more powerful a, a, a tool for us mm-hmm. because we have that that's exactly. Do you, do you, can you you understand. I know, but I just want. Uh, <laughs> like he knows it better than me. But can we just sort of reformulate that so it's well clearer in everyone's head? I was
2: going to try an analogy. Yeah, and I'm not very good at an analogy, so I'm going to try. In like right now, obviously everything's streaming and you, uh, on TV to consume video. But before that. Uh, if it's uh, a VHS or a disc or a, a, even a gaming console, you had a cable, the HDMI. But even before that, like that TV has, you could have all these kinds of connectors. Yep. Uh, the TV made available so that you can plug any any kind of machine that would feed then video into the TV. Is, is that kind of uh, where you could say, well, the TV makes I, I make all these ports, these op- these gates. Uh, available so that the outside world can connect on their own. own.
1: You mean for FTP or for API? I mean for API. For APIs, uh, I'll even go a step further and API would be more like a a universal key. Yeah, well that I
0: think... Okay, okay.
2: Okay. Yeah, fair enough.
1: Yeah.
0: Actually, I think your analogy is perfect. It's a very good illustration because I think that's the point, right? Yeah. That if you think about it in the land of the FTP, so, first, you're a prisoner when you'd say, Oh, I'm going to integrate these two systems. Well, and now I'm a prisoner to who's allowed to develop within these two systems. They're the mm-hmm. only people who can touch it. Mm-hmm. So, just on a human resource basis, I've got this Limitation. constraint uh, and, and cost and uh, and timeline and does it work? Risk, you know, and, yeah. all sorts of things. Then there are limits to, I think that's where your plug analogy is great. Like, you know, even if you have uh, every every plug you ever want, you only have three of one, so you're limited to three of this. Yeah. And but then when I go to streaming, I can effectively stream. That is anything goes. The, through. the internet is the universal plug into mm-hmm. the television now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Very fascinating. So now tell me about soap and rest. What do I need to know?
1: Okay. So. Um, I guess before we go into that, okay. I'll just mention briefly what does an API even look like? Because you can actually look at that. It's a good right? question. Basically, mm-hmm. So that's important to understand then what SOAP and REST are, um, and an API is really, ju- it looks like your, your URL in your browser, right? It's HTTPS, and then there's characters, and at, at the end you could have like a slash, customers if you want to get your customers, or a slash, sales orders, and then that so API. So it's a
0: programming language that looks like... Or what we write on, on for web addresses
1: it's not even a programming language um, to use an API you really just need that URL and that's given to you by whoever made the API like Microsoft or whatever and then you can just plug that in into your browser or another software you might have heard of which is called postman so if someone mentioned postman that's what it's for its to look mm-hmm. at API's you plug that in there you click send and it will give you a list um of what you want right if you want all your customers you do slash customers and they will return to you a thousand records of all your customers it's just like a list so so if
2: i i I produce an api to give access to whoever needs it it has to come with a like a instruction not an instruction book but what's in it documentation what What will you find when you go there and what will you find when you go? Exactly, so
1: there has to be some sort of documentation because obviously the goal of API is also not to expose your entire data. You want to have control Mm -hmm. of what you people can access um, and the volume of the data.
0: A a side note, an interesting point to that, um, in the episode that will come out before, well anyway, because we did a few back-to-back for Mm -hmm. scheduling purposes, but we did talk about what cloud to choose, you know, Azure, Google and uh, and AWS, and one of the things jean martin was saying was ultimately from a software editor perspective, from a publisher of software, um, like uh, you know we made we made a choice to go with Google, and the reason we made a choice is because the amount of documentation are, that's available is so much more mm. that they could progress much faster. Mm uh in that cloud environment and i I just why it's it's just interesting you bring up the documentation point with the apis it's okay so now because you see i told you it feels like two minutes but we we've 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 got it let's get into the soap and Rest. rest rest
1: yes so there's multiple type of web apis and the most relevant and the most used right now are soap and rest um essentially they're very very similar they're both a link that you know https slash character slash whatever but the difference is that soap is much more rigid in the way it allows you to access certain data but it can also allow you to do certain logical steps and i'll give an example but for example soap is very much used for uh, financial institutions if you want to see your bank account if you want to do you know uh, look at uh, i don't know banking systems in general, the SOAP will probably be more popular, whereas REST is really more for social media. Like Instagram, like I was mentioning, these statistics, it's most likely some REST.
0: Is that a data security?
1: Yes. So SOAP has much more uh, security, I guess you could say, uh, features built in. And it has, like I said, it's more rigid. So you really have to, when you develop a SOAP, you have to be much more careful with how you send data. More
2: gates, more yeah i guess you can say
1: more gates and more barriers um an example for example like i was saying the if i put my url and i do slash customers that's most likely a rest so rest is very good at sending you data uh, quickly and allows you to create to delete to update this is called crude so create um rename update and delete something like that Um, and it's very good at that but soap is more for to do operations so for example, if I want to let people update a lot of customers at the same time, but very specific ones, for example, or I guess another example would be, let's say I want all the sales order from the past 24 hours to ship Yeah. at the same time. Well, I could build a SOAP API for that. I could just say SOAP and then do slash, send my sales order, press send, and then I'll just let the system do the rest. So what this does is it will an API call to the system the system will be like okay you want me to send all your things there you go I do that all on the server side right but rest will not be able to do that rest will be more for hey show me all my sales order from the past 24 hours or delete all my sales order or it's yeah. so
0: when you're writing an integration then you will have rest and soap API's yeah. I c- now I understand I mm. I, I, I thought
2: I, it w- I thought it was either or
0: straight out of real yep. the real world i remember having a conversation with a it was a coo who uh probably had no right to be talking like an authority <laughs> and and i certainly didn't and i didn't pretend to and he was asking me he he exactly he said what kind of apis are we going to write rest are we going to do rest or soap apis uh, i have no idea i've heard those terms and now that i hear what you've just said of course the answer is that's a d- dumb question it's not a dumb question we would never say that to a client but no. yeah it's a dumb question <laughs> interesting okay this, so this is really
1: something you leave to the developer and rest is very good for lots of data sorry no no <laughs> so you leave
2: that to the developer like don't no, don't I get mean, involved it's yeah well exactly <laughs> it's really the, but
0: but exactly
1: it's,
2: it's, our, sure. it's really
0: it's none of our business yeah, yeah. we <laughs> shouldn't have an opinion so i know we, we have a teaser because uh, yeah i
2: are we at the teaser? Because I have questions.
0: Okay. Uh, no, well, I want to make sure is that we sum up at the end. Mm. Go. No. Go.
2: Well, there's uh, two questions, and I don't. I may be mixing things. Like XML. Yeah. Does that have anything to do with it? Like the XML is is to standardize the way data, like a field is.
1: Yes, yeah, so essentially terms, like if you've heard XML or JSON, yeah. these are just terms for how the API shows you the data. So like okay. I was saying, oh, if I put slash customers, it gives me a list of customers. Well, this list has to be formatted somehow. And usually XML is, uh, I believe, most popular for SOAP. So that's the format you can expect to receive. Because it's a format. Yeah, it's just a, f- a way to yeah, format yeah. the data that's sent over API. All right, yeah.
2: next. Next question. Um, so. Like APIs, I can see within one organization, it's WMS talking to the ERP and vice versa. You need the API. But EDI, which is business-to-business exchange of data, electronic, electronic data interchange, it, is EDI a form of API or not
0: really? It's not an integration, do I it's leverage, just- Do I leverage APIs it, to do EDI?
1: You could leverage APIs to do EDIs, but I believe it's its own uh, protocol. But I
0: it think is, that's true.
2: But would EDI be eventually replaced by That's the question API? I want to
1: know. I think so, yeah. I believe it's most there's modern no systems need do at use APIs point. for
2: EDI. Yeah. But it's still extremely uh, actively used. EDI is uh, omnipresent. Mm-hmm. But with who? Yeah.
0: Walmart? Who? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, f- super, super large For Super large yeah. where yeah. there's just no way, like... You know, of course, they're the cutting edge and they're the... But they're when you're a $400, $500 billion a year business, mm-hmm. your IT's not something you're jingling with all the time. No. You and know? You, and so you need all the options. You, you, you're yeah, going yeah. you're gonna, you're gonna, to... Gonna, we use EDI and we're not messing with that. I can't jeopardize three days of sales because mm-hmm. we screwed <laughs> something up. No, but what I wanted to make sure we do before we shut down is back to, okay, hey, Charles Fallon, old man. What have you learned, right? And I think what I want to remember out of this is one of the innovations that the APIs have given us is um, that it sits outside of the core software. So it it Mm -hmm. divorces, uh, when I need to create integrations between two applications, it divorces that exercise from the, the not only like thus the the code and the software itself, but from the the people who write the code and who have the permissions and the you know I, I, I think everyone can understand that mm-hmm. and that the API because it sits outside allows um, just you know anyone to basically write an integration and that is a that is actually clearly in my head a huge Leap. step forward mm-hmm. in terms of technological innovation. And I, th- I think for me, I'm, wa- and then, and then I now understand soap and rest, rest, I'm going to, the way I'm going to rem- rem- rest as in lazy as in fun, soap, clean,
1: Diligent. private,
0: secure, done. That's the great way. Yeah. Way to put
1: I mean, it was a very brief example. i don't care (laughs) i don't (laughs) care that's That's how you're gonna gonna explain explain it if you explain too too much you (laughs) won't we won't
0: need (laughs) you anymore (laughs) this keeps your job right you keep it a a bit of mystery around it but as a teaser you're just getting started you wanted to next time what are we going to talk about
1: next time i think a a very important topic especially nowadays is uh, big data right so how do we manage When something like APIs can't handle anymore all these millions of records, the
0: volume of data, the
1: volume of of volume, and I would say also the veracity and the velocity, right, coming in all at the same time, what do we do? Uh, And then
0: tune in, tune in next time for part two of Sabina on integration. I love this. I really appreciate the time that you took. I know you're very busy, so thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you.